Horses, buggies, shoefly pie, three very recognizable parts of Amish culture. But what if we added one more item to that list? What about Jesus? Hi, I'm Charles Morris, and today I want to share a recording with you of a live event we held in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania in the fall of 2014. In front of a few hundred people at Calvary Church, we spoke with current and former Amish who discovered grace in their world which is too often dictated by stringent rules and legalism. There are many wonderful tenets of Amish life. It's been the basis for many novels and also TLC shows. But today we're going to focus on a core aspect of this works-based religion that makes it very hard to find peace. A system that cultivates a sense that we need to earn our place in heaven. The question we ask here is how can we find free grace in Christ alone? I think you'll be blessed to hear how Jesus changed each one of these lives. So now let's return to Lancaster County. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and this is Finding Jesus in Lancaster County. Last November, we traveled to southeastern Pennsylvania on a Saturday morning for an event held at Calvary Church in the city of Lancaster. Local radio station WDAC helped with the event. We packed the basement youth auditorium in the church, and we heard about a revival movement, especially among Old Order Amish, a religious culture that does not use modern power sources, whose women wear head coverings, and members who haven't changed their style of dress in a few hundred years. They came to America with the Mennonites and settled in land provided by William Penn, who settled Pennsylvania with a land grant from his king in England. Old Order Amish and Mennonites spread as they needed more land to farm and space to grow. You can find the Amish today outside of Pennsylvania in places like Ohio, Indiana, Ontario, and Manitoba. But recently, sparked in part by the shootings at a one-room schoolhouse, when ten young girls were shot and five who died, a revival has broken out in Pennsylvania, breaking tradition, sometimes against the advice of bishops to not listen to the radio. Some Amish are listening to Haven Today and other programs, and they're learning about grace found in Jesus Christ alone, and not just an emphasis on the Mosaic Law with the Ten Commandments. One of the problems the Amish will tell you is reading but not totally understanding their Bible that was written in high German that's several hundred years old. Services are still conducted in high German, but that's not the vernacular spoken by the Amish. So many are listening to Christian radio today, and they're hearing God's word from a more modern translation than what the Amish normally use, and it has become a fresh air. I believe a movement of the Spirit. Jacob Diener is an Amish. He first came up to me at an earlier event a few years before, and he came all the way from his house in his horse-drawn buggy because he just wanted to say thanks with tears in his eyes for talking about grace, sharing grace from God's Word on Haven Today. I asked him what it was like to grow up Amish and to now to know for sure that he knows Jesus. Uh, like I was saying, we grew up in an Amish household, and a lot of times I would ask questions, why, why this dad or why that? And he would say, because we're Amish. And I really struggled with that as I got, grew older and older. And uh, 
when I was a boy, we were basically told that if you're not Amish, you, you're, you know, are you going to make it to heaven? That was kind of how strict it really was. So we looked at the outsiders as, you know, do they even have a chance? <laughs> you know. Then I met her dad, and he had a whole different outlook of, of the way of things were more deeper than, than just the Amish. Yeah, and then it was just over the years of knowing my wife's family and becoming more and more uh, just kind of, you know there's better things in life or better, somebody better to know, and, but you don't quite know how or who. And, and uh, then it was just revealed to me through like begging to Jesus, uh, where are you or who are you or you know, what do you look like? And, and he, he, uh, he just became very real. The way I understood my father was he's a, fa he's a God in heaven with a whip. And, and if you don't do this, then you will get, uh, you know, you'll get a lecture or, or you'll get punished. But it was amazing, even though of my years of, of like we call the, the, from 16 to 25 were the young ones, the Amish young ones, uh, the Rome Spring years. I always, I was into some bad stuff, but I still had faith that somewhere there's a God. And even though I was doing bad, I still had faith that someday I'll make it to heaven. Like I said, as, as you get into the knowledge of who Jesus is and you start crying out to him, like sincerely, every day and every minute, you just, I know you're there, but who are you and where are you? You know, and then over the years of doing that, he just, it seems he just lowered, lowered himself to me, and now he has me. You know, scripture is revealed to each person who wants to know it. I think the Lord lets people, he gives them what they want. If you want knowledge of the Bible and you really are sincere, then he will share, share his knowledge with you. That's the way I found out. And that relationship is like one morning, just a couple months ago, I was just kind of really begging out when we were in this accident. I was just really begging, to, you know, just come a little closer, come a little closer. And and I uh, did my did my devotions with with <laughs> with anchor. And the the verse that morning, just like I just cried. It was just it was less like it said, "I have you all along." So what are you worried about? I have you. So then after I realized that he has me. I mean, you know, I used to wake up and pray for 10, 20 things, and now I'm just, I get on my knees just like, thank you, Lord, just for having me. I don't know what to ask for. Then your grace and mercy, and well, what can I say? Thank you. Jacob Diener, my Amish brother in Christ in Lancaster County. He was talking about our Anchor Daily Devotional Guide, which we've been putting out for the last 40 years at this ministry. We also heard from a neighbor of Jacob's. Manny Zook, welcome. At what point in your life did you realize that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior? Well, I had uh, lived the double life all my life. Uh, I'll, I'll just share it, uh, homosexuality. And uh, it was something that I had uh, fought against. And uh, it was something that I had presented to the Lord. I, I seen my need for a Savior. I did want to be saved from hell, and I wanted to be saved from the shame of being exposed for the sin that I was in. But it wasn't until I was probably 44 or 45 that I really seen uh, that Jesus cannot just be Savior. He needs to be Lord. And uh, when I accepted him as Lord in my life, when I was finished with myself, finished with my own attempts to achieve salvation, but again, it was because of the hardness of my heart, I, I never... Uh, received the message that salvation cannot be earned. Uh, I, I just never got that part. Always out to 
establish my own righteousness instead of looking to Jesus for my righteousness. You decided to stay Amish. Has that been hard? Yeah, there have been times when I uh, really just had to commit it to the Lord and had to, the Lord has asked me two different times to just lay that on the altar. But both times I felt like it was quite clear that uh, he was not asking me to move outside the Amish circles. When I'm in church now, I do hear the gospel being preached. I hear the plan of salvation being presented. Um, but I will say it does lack the clarity that I wish that it would, was there. And it, of course, obviously depends a lot on the speaker. You don't have to listen to who's preaching very long until you really feel that connection, uh, whether the man truly knows the Lord. Thank you for just having the willingness to be bold for your Savior this morning. Give God the glory. Okay. Thank you. Manny, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so glad Jacob Diener brought you along today. I want you to meet a couple. Their names are Ephraim and Amanda Stolfutz, and they grew up Amish. And I opened by asking Ephraim, who's a young father and husband, what was it like to grow up Amish? For me, growing up Amish was a really nice life. We had uh, a lot of fun. We played a lot, worked hard, and it was really a good life. My desire to know God, I remember, started when I was about eight years old, and I just wanted to know, will I go to heaven when I die? That was the burning question until I was 25. And I'll share just bits of those times as from eight to 25. And when I was 12, I did a mailbox Bible club. Someone sent out a little paper um, that take you, took you from Adam and Eve unto Jesus Christ, and it kept asking you the question, is Jesus your Savior? And uh, I always responded with, no, he's not, because I thought I need to be baptized in order to be saved. And so I did uh, pray the prayer when I was maybe 12, asking God to save me. I wasn't sure, did he save me? Didn't he save me? My life, I don't think it you know, changed at all. And I went from that into you know, growing up 12, soon I'm 16, 17. And uh, you know, I, I was a young man. Uh, you know, overall, the Amish live pretty clean lives, but I was a sinner. I tried hard to clean myself up many times. I'd come, I'd come home drunk at night and tell God that, you know, please don't let me die like this because I know I'll go to hell if I die drunk. And, you know, I, I promise God that if you'll uh, forgive me one more time, I'll, I'll never drink again. And that went on until I was about 19, and I decided to get baptized when I was 19. So I, when I was baptized, I, I asked my mom, I said, you know, when do I find this peace that you're supposed to have when you get baptized? And she told me that, well, maybe you'll get that peace when you're baptized. Mm. Maybe you won't get it till years later. And uh, I was on my knees and, you know, the, you know, sprinkled a little bit of water on my head. And, and I said, well, when does this peace come? And I waited for a little while and I did not have peace in my heart. But I said, well, I guess if I don't get peace now, you know, I won't get it for who knows when. So I'm just going to believe that I have peace. And uh, that didn't work. I mean, I told God, please come back today because I'm ready to go now. My sins have just been washed away. And, uh, you know, if you don't come back today, I don't know how to get saved tomorrow. Because, and so life went on. I, you know, kept sinning. And next it was communion. I was, uh, uh, I was taught that uh, when you have communion, it can be renewed just like when you were baptized. That if you're right and you take communion, your sins again are just covered and washed away like before. And so every time I'd have communion, I'd be like, you know, God, please don't come back until I take communion. And then when I have communion, I'd be like, oh, thank you, Lord, that I made it to communion. Now, please come for me. I'm ready to go again. 
And that was my life for six years, from 19 to 25. And we got married, and we decided that, well, when I was 25, I was a very prosperous businessman, and I'd lost a, a good chunk of money in a business deal. And it really brought me to searching. And also, in that time, there was uh, people in, the, in Lancaster County were searching for truth. So some of my friends were being excommunicated for going to Bible study, and I thought this was really, really uh, strange. Why, how can I excommunicate, help excommunicate my friends that are going to Bible study? That doesn't seem right. I had a desire to know what sin is, because we were taught that if you don't keep the church rules, regardless what they are, then you're sinning if you break the church rules. And I couldn't figure out how can a group of people on the face of the earth decide what sin is. For example, if you had a skid steer loader and the rule said you can't have it, that was sin, and you had to confess it before you had communion. So here's a group of men decide that it's sin to have a skid loader, and then they'll change the rule, actually, and say, now you can have the skid loader, and now it's not sin anymore. And I said, this is not right. Isn't God more holy than this? And could somebody help me with this? And I was sharing with my friend one morning, and he said, I met a man at breakfast, and he held up his Bible, and he said, this is the rule book for my life. What this book says, I do it. And I said, I want to meet that man because he'll have answers for me. And uh, I did, and we started going to Bible study, which was against the church rules. We, we could have been, well, our friends were excommunicated for going to Bible study. But through that, I kept hearing that, that you're saved not by being a good person, but you're saved because Jesus took your place on Calvary, and it's by faith. And there was two different groups of Amish going to Bible studies, and there was two different teachers, and they were both teaching the same message, the message of faith, the message of grace, the message of forgiveness, and the new birth. So we alternated every week going to the different groups, and we'd hear the same message. And, I, and after about eight weeks of this, I sat at my kitchen table one morning, and I said, if what I'm hearing is true, that you're saved by faith, then I'm wrong, because I believe it's by Jesus dying on the cross plus me being a good person, that's what saves me. So if I'm hearing correctly, then I'm wrong. And I said, but I can't be wrong, because if I'm wrong, that means the people who've taught me, which would be my parents, would be wrong. And the people who've taught them, which would be their parents, then they would be wrong. And if, if they're wrong, there's, there's a lot of people wrong in Lancaster County. And I said, there's no way that, that we can be lost. How can a group of people in the face of the earth, like 6,000 people, be lost and go to hell? And I dismissed it, and I said, you know. And then later, I was reading a book about Christians in China and how they're persecuted for their faith and, and the love that they had for people who didn't know Jesus. And it brought me to the end of myself. I said, I do not have what these Christians do. And I, I got on my knees. It was a Saturday night about 9.20. And I repented. I said, God, I said, I'm not a good person. I, I'm... See, I used to believe that God would let me come to heaven somehow. And I said, no, I deserve hell. But would you change me? Would you make me like these Christians? And that's the first time in my life that I allowed myself to believe that I'm not good enough to get to heaven. I mean, I knew that I'm not good, but that's when God broke me. So from there, it was... You know, my sins were forgiven. I knew my sins were forgiven. Uh, the Amish usually say that you can't know if your sins are forgiven. Well, I knew that my sins were forgiven. And there was no turning back. Wow. Thank you. All right. Let's, let's get Amanda. Go ahead and share with us, Amanda. Well, we were 
when Ephraim got saved, we were very much together searching for the truth. We both wanted to know. Since we were going to Bible study, I felt like I had a relationship with the Lord. I was praying anyway, and we had lots of Christian fellowship. But there was a comment Ephraim made one time uh, that summer. He, he just looked up at the sky and he said, I wish Jesus would come back now. And it made me tremble a bit inside. I said, I wish you wouldn't say that. Mm. Now, here people thought, you know, we were going to Bible study and I appeared to be saved. But there was always this fear of Jesus coming back and me not being ready because that's very much what my fear in my childhood had been was I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would hear, I thought I saw Jesus coming back. It was just usually just a moon or some bright light or something, but I thought I was afraid that Jesus was coming back. To be ready meant that I would be good and I never felt good enough. So I battled some with discouragement and depression occasionally. After Ephraim got saved uh, that fall, I fell into a pit of depression. I just, mm. it was so bad, I felt I could feel it. It was horrible. Let me and just then, insert, Amanda, you've told me that there is a lot of depression sometimes in the Amish community. There might be the smiling face on the outside, but the inside, there's depression. That's right. There's quite a few people on depression medication. Okay. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I was in just a pit of depression. I could... There was no way out of it. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself out of it. And yet, at the same time, it was, I was trying to function because I didn't want anyone to know that I was struggling. I had this image to maintain, you know. I had to make sure no one knew that I wasn't, I wasn't okay. <laughs> but yet, I could hardly get out of bed. I was the third, this was a period of three days only, but it was very, very intense, and I couldn't function. Yet, that evening, we got an invitation to go to a friend's house just down the road. Although I wasn't able to function, I somehow forced myself to go because I wanted them to, you know, I didn't want them to know I was struggling. So um, we went and I pretended everything was fine. As the evening progressed, the subject of baptism came up. And before I knew what was happening, the whole group there had decided to get baptized that evening. And was everyone Amish at the... Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, this was not the first time they talked about this. Okay. But at this point, no one had gotten baptized yet. So here, everyone decided that this is this is what the Bible says. We're going to get baptized tonight. And I had reached my limit. Now I could not pretend before God that I was okay and get baptized and not let anyone know that I'm really not exactly sure that I'm saved. So. I thank God for that because he brought me to a place where I had to open up and had to say, I'm not sure that I'm okay. So I told, I shared with a sister there and we prayed together and she was very wise. She just said, well, let's tell the Lord about that. Hmm. And we prayed hmm. and God did something in my heart that night. He gave me a peace instead of the confusion I had. And I wanted to get baptized, regardless if anyone else did that night. I hmm. wanted to be baptized now. Hmm. So, wow. Wow. For those of you that don't understand, the cost of getting baptized, what does that mean to an Amish person? So there we are, standing at the water, and I'm saying, am I really going to do this? This is going to cost me my family. This will cost me the farm, which was worth a lot of money. This will cost, it'll cost me everything. But Jesus said, if you follow me. He said, though you may lose your land, your farms, your family, even, he said, in this life, you're going to get it restored a hundred times, plus you'll get eternal life with persecution. 
was so, it worth it? <laughs> yeah, it didn't take very long to make the decision. And uh, yeah, God filled me with his spirit that night to an extent that I've never had before. And uh, well, it was worth it. Mm, mm. Great. If you can't tell, God has given you the gift of evangelism. Your husband is an evangelist, isn't he? Absolutely. I asked you yesterday about how the Lord has led you to evangelize. So you want to say anything? That's what got us excommunicated from the Amish, my evangelistic. I just could not be quiet. And I would just share with a lot of people. So we evangelize many people. Everywhere I go, I, you know, by the grace of God, I try to share. And uh, there's many times that I'm not obedient, but... I want to give a couple specifics. Um, anywhere from the normal Americans to Amish people to uh, even I have a lot of Arabic friends, uh, Muslim friends, and uh, even some Jewish people. Uh, but I'll give you a couple examples. There was, a, there was an Amish man. We had determined in our hearts to preach the gospel at the local fire company auctions. So we went and we would meet the people and share with them. And well, I met one of my older friends that I used to drink with and we're talking and I said, hey, I said, Aquila, I said, are your sins forgiven? And he said to me, well, I think I'll go now, he said, and he turned around and he walked across the, the bridge. And, but six months later, he got born again. And today he's walking vibrantly with our Lord Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and then there's uh, one from an American uh, lady. Uh, again, God saves people many different ways. He leads people to, to you know, drop notes in, you know, on the sidewalk, and people pick it up and they get saved. He gives uh, people the inspiration to, to, to do a certain thing, and that'll save a person. And, but this lady, I was, she was a, a taxi driver, and she had an Amish person at my brother's business. And I just felt him, I should talk to her. So I went over. She rolled down the window. Hi, how are you? What's going on? How are you? You know, and we talked about Christ. And within three minutes, she had tears streaming down her face. And she got radically born again. And I met her a month later. And she's been reading her Bible faithfully. She's been going to um, a church right down the street on 340. And that, to me, is just amazing. Just, just a couple of words. Just, you, we never know what we should say. But God can lead us to do the right thing that he, like when Jesus was here, he didn't have to say much sometimes, and people would follow him. And uh, yeah, I'm really thankful that God saved me. I'm thankful, like Isaiah says, therefore on that day, although you were angry with, with me, yet your anger is turned away. And uh, later it says, therefore with joy he will draw waters out of the wells of salvation, Isaiah verse chapter 12. And it's a beautiful chapter. And I'm so thankful that Jesus, before the world ever was, they had planned, God had planned a way that redeem man back to him. And I'm grateful for that. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I'm so grateful for the Amish and formerly Amish people who joined me on stage at Calvary Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 2014. Now, for more episodes like this, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out. Leave us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. 
And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Thank you.